Our scripture comes from John the 15th chapter, and it says, this is Jesus talking, by the way. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I heard from my father I have made known unto you. So it goes like this. This neurotic, neat freak news writer and photographer named Felix is thrown out of his house by his wife. His friend Oscar, who's pretty sloppy and carefree and has a bad habit of doing bad habits, feels sorry for him and takes him in. It's a case of two polars living side by side. They argue, they fight, they get on each other's nerves, and more than a few times, one or both of them threatens to end the living arrangement and sometimes even their friendship. Except over time, they realize they need each other, and deep down they know that they care for each other's well-being. They're fast friends. They are truly an odd couple that thanks to playwright Neil Simon, we get to know over the course of a Broadway play, including a few iterations and revivals, a movie or two, 114 episodes of an iconic television series with a couple of other short-lived attempts at primetime TV, and even a cartoon. And in all of that, we find out that Felix and Oscar loved and hated being friends. Back in the late 70s, one of my favorite TV shows was What's Happening. Anybody remember it? From my safe, white, middle-class home in the middle of Kentucky, I watched this group of black teenagers, Roger, Dwayne, and Rerun, and then Roger's mom, Mabel, and his sister, Dee, and the antagonistic soda shop waitress, Shirley, argue and dance and laugh their way through the kind of issues and challenges that a black family deals with in Watts in California. They love to cut each other down, but they really love to build each other up. There was no doubt that they loved each other. They were friends. And then there's Rachel. Speaking of friends, she grew up with plenty of everything she ever wanted or ever needed. But she was dissatisfied with the easy life, and she left it all to move in with her friend, Monica. In time, she meets Monica's tight-knit group of friends, and before you know it, Rachel and Monica and Phoebe and Joey and Chandler and Ross are inseparable. Then they're not. And then they are. And then they're not. In the 10 years and 236 episodes that we see, we they cheer each other on, they fight, they fall in love, sometimes with each other and sometimes with somebody else. But what we know for sure is that they are truly friends. And then they're not. And then they are. And then they're not. And then they are. That's the life of friends. Now how about this one? The last one, I promise. We're in a bar in Boston. 
It's a place where friends gather to drink, relax, and socialize. From the early 80s into the early 90s, in a matter of 275 episodes, owners Sam first and then later Rebecca, along with the bartenders Coach and Woody and waitresses Carla and Diane, serve and entertain and put up with the regulars, Norm, Cliff, Frazier, and Lilith. A few non-regulars drop in from time to time too, but these are the folks that we get to know the best. They pull tricks on each other, they deceive each other, they laugh at each other's expense, but in the end, they always have each other's backs and they raise a glass of cheers, just like real friends do. All right, I said the last one was the last one, but this really is the last one. I can't go talking about TV shows and TV friends without mentioning my ladies. Picture it. <laughs> Miami, Florida. Three, oh, by the way, these are my girls. Three feisty, competitive, middle-aged women and another uh, older woman who loves being a cantankerous old world Italian or sharing a house together. You'd think that they'd known each other all their lives, the way they intrude on one another, argue with one another, fuss and fight. But the truth is that Blanche, Rose, Dorothy, and Sophia have only known each other for a year when the first episode airs and we get to start knowing them. We watch them fight over who sleeps where, over who sleeps with who, who ate the last piece of cheesecake. Over the course of seven seasons and 180 episodes, we laugh, we cry, we get all up in their business, and by the time we have to say goodbye to them, we know beyond any doubt that these golden girls are friends to the end, and they love each other dearly. You've probably figured out this connection by now, haven't you? The connection that I'm trying to make between all these hit TV shows and casts. Whether they're living together or just sharing similar emotions and experiences, they all rely on each other for something incredibly important. And that's because they're friends. And that's because that's what friends do. They rely on each other. It's those shared experiences, the good ones of course, but especially the difficult ones that forge a bond that's usually more than just a casual acquaintance. If you've ever served in the military, especially in an area that's seen combat and danger, you know how important those relationships become. My son-in-law served in both Afghanistan and Iraq. He was in some of the most dangerous places and he experienced some horrific, horrific scenes. He's told me different times about how scared he was sometimes and how he and his fellow soldiers relied on each other to survive. He and most of those that he was deployed with have since come home and they've been home for several years now. And to this day, they are some of the best, fastest, most reliable friends. He tells me that without those friends, he may not have made it back home at all. 
Most of us have never been in that kind of danger or, or in that kind of situation, but we do know the value of good and reliable friends. Our scripture today is a few words taken from the middle of a long conversation over the course of several chapters that Jesus was having with his disciples just before he would be taken away and crucified. He'd already been arguing with Peter about washing Peter's feet. Peter said, I just don't feel worthy of, of you, of washing your feet. But Jesus says, Peter, it's necessary for all of us. So Peter finally gives in. Then Jesus goes into this long discourse. He calls out his betrayer, Judas, and then his denier, Peter. And then we get to listen in on this back and forth, this Q&A session between Jesus and some of the other disciples. He tells them to remember the things that they've seen over the last few years. Remember the lives that have been touched. Remember the people who've been helped. Remember the religious laws and traditions that have been challenged. He tells them to remember the acts of compassion and the love that they've witnessed and to do everything they can to emulate them. He challenged their devotion and their love for Him. After saying it over and over and exampling it over and over, He tells them that if they love Him, They'll keep His commandments, the charges that He laid out for them. And He left no question about what those commandments were. This is my commandment, He said, that you love one another as I have loved you. I imagine the memories those disciples might have had. I imagine Peter and Andrew thinking back to the day when he found them fishing, working on their boats. And he called them and they walked away from their livelihoods and their careers and they followed him. I wonder what James and John must have been feeling when they laid down their nets, kissed their father, and left the family business. All the others who did the same who took a risk and walked away from all they knew to follow this man who made absurd promises and crazy wild claims. So they joined him. They became followers and in just a handful of years he became their teacher, their protector, their leader, their mentor and their friend. And they became each other's friends. Jesus gave everything to his friends, his knowledge of God, his own life, and he became their model, our model for friendship, an example that says honest friendship comes with no limits. The faith tradition that I grew up with and some of you grew up in never mentioned this part of Jesus' ministry. We heard a lot about sin and redemption and atonement and repentance and over and over again it was made clear to us that we needed to be born again. We were told that we needed a savior, not a friend. But I challenge that notion. Some of you know that the New Testament was mostly written in Greek. In the Greek language, one of the most common verbs for love 
is philo. The word philos is the Greek word for friend, and it comes from the word philo. The Greek word for love is philo. In the New Testament, which is, of course, where we find Jesus and his, his closest followers in today's passage, the word friend is understood to mean the one who loves. This connection between love and friendship is essential. And understanding why it's so important for the disciples to hear Jesus' words and to hear Him call them His friends. It's not at all casual, and it's much more than just social. When Jesus says there's no greater love than giving up your life for your friends, He's not just talking about dying. He's talking about living and risking. He's talking about living and risking reputation and jeopardizing relationships and taking a chance on the future for the sake of a friend. Whether you know him as your savior, your sage, your teacher, your inspiration, or your friend, Jesus' example of friendship is one, if truly lived, could change our world. To him, being a friend means not only loving God, but loving others. It means seeing others as a friend would see them. It means serving them and caring like a friend would. Mason and I just finished watching Reservation Dogs. If you're not familiar with it or if you haven't seen it, it's an incredibly interesting and enlightening look into the life, into life on a reservation in rural Oklahoma. Four teenage friends, uh, Laura, Bear, Willie Jack, and Cheese, are mourning the death of their friend Daniel. It was Daniel's dream to one day leave the reservation and head to the exotic faraway land of California. Daniel and his friends wanted something that they couldn't get on that rural Oklahoma reservation. So his friends, even after his death, set out to find a way to get there. After several episodes that included things like heisting a snack chip truck, swiping edibles from an old lady, <laughs> and a few other uh, not-so-noble things, the friends are finally able to make the trip and full, fulfill their friend Daniel's dream. The tug and the pull of relationships that we get to peek into on reservation dogs is so rich and deep and moving. We get to see friendships that are forged by tragedy and shared struggles that are mostly forced on them by a government that really doesn't want them to prosper. But we do see friendship. True, authentic, proven friendship. You may not know who Oscar and Felix are or who the odd couple is. If you've never watched an episode of What's Happening, I'd encourage you to find it and enjoy it. 
Maybe you're not familiar with the guys and girls of Friends, and maybe you've never seen a single episode of Cheers or have any interest in watching four old golden girls eat cheesecake in Miami. I want to encourage you to look up reservation dogs and see what tested friends look like. I know that all these TV friendships are made up to entertain us, to make us laugh, but they also teach us something about what friendship is. They teach us that being a good friend means being honest. They teach us that friendships are relationships. They teach us that sacrifice is part of being a friend. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Jesus said, you're not my servant and I'm not your master. You're more than that to me. You're closer, you're dearer. We stand shoulder to shoulder and side by side, he says. To him, you're more than an acquaintance. You're more than an associate. You're more than a colleague, even more than a mate. He's saying to you what he was saying to his disciples that day. He's saying, I cherish what we have. Our bond and our connection are special. It's the kind of closeness that you only get from someone who you trust. The kind of thing you only get from someone that you can call your friend. Thanks for joining us. Find out more about what we're doing at KennyBishop.com.